We've all shared our thoughts, uneducated as they might be, about the football game. Let's get an educated thought or two. A man who watches the game with a critical eye, then he goes back and he breaks down the tape. He he finds things the rest of us couldn't find with a uh, with a telescope and uh, with 2020 vision, which we long ago lost. So welcome in for another edition of First and Ten, the coach Zach Willis. Well, you just heard Stephen. And that was one of the kinder Clemson calls we've had tonight. Tiger fans are spewing nails right now. Well, you want me to comment on that, Phil? As I've got a comment for it, but yeah, that's, wouldn't that like really it. wasn't a um, question, but it was well, more of a you know kind of hey, what do you it, think? It, it, you know, I'm, I've been nothing but a coach my entire life until I you know retired from it and went into private business, and I do this for you guys because I love the game. Um, uh, you know, it's funny to me. Nobody was saying this stuff when they were winning national championships or in Carolina seven years in a row, winning 40 games in a row at home and 68 in a row when they led at halftime. Um, they've struggled all year long. They've struggled for two years with DJ. And when Big Cinco doesn't show up and DJ does, they don't do so well. We've known that for a while. Um, I, I don't even feel give you credit. You called this one a while back made the call that this this might happen and you thought it would happen and a lot of people including myself were hesitant to go against you know what clemson had been able to do for so many years and as a tribute to what coach sweeney and his entire staff has done but in the first half of that football game you know they were rolling along um doing what they needed to do to win but you know about midway through i guess the third quarter you know you and i were having our inner game text conversation you could feel a shift and South Carolina just would not go away. And I'll stop there so you guys can ask me. But for any of you guys out there, fans that want to fire people, um, uh, what, three weeks ago, South Carolina fans wanted to bench, some did, wanted to bench Rattler and fire Satterfield. You should have nothing to say in the way of crowing if you did that. Because if you had had your way, you would have gotten blown out of the water Saturday. And just to put it in, and for the Clemson fans who are that hurt over losing to a rival for the first time in eight years, same goes for you. Go find something else to do. There's plenty more people to fill that stadium. I can promise you that. What did you my see? Two yeah, that's cool. What did you see as you went back and broke it all down? And we'll get to the Clemson side of things in a moment, but what did yeah. you see as the turning point for South Carolina? Big, big time, big time. Last two two games, big time pass protection improvement from the offensive line. Coach Atkins was on the sidelines. I saw uh, his son played an incredible game. I think played the game had the game of his life probably catching the football. Showed a tremendous amount of character, which you want to see out of a coach's kid, and he represented that demographic well. Spencer Rattler was able to overcome first half mistakes and turn it into second half magic. The receivers, while they didn't separate a ton at times, were able to go up and get the jump ball, made circus catches. Josh Van got hurt making an incredible catch, one of two. And, of course, uh, three wells again, just just a, a flat-out winner. Um, and there were, it was a team effort. Everybody contributed. Bell contributed. You know, it was a total team effort on the offensive side. And defensively, the cornerbacks and defensive backs just made it basically impossible for Clemson to throw the football in the second half. And then, of course, they iced it with the special teams, that punt team, you know, and two turnovers on special teams, one on the kickoff and one of the punt team that pretty much put it away. 
What did you see in the Clemson secondary that allowed South Carolina, for example, the 72-yard pass and other um, big pass completions over the top? I think uh, Dabo was asked after the game about the performance of the, of the safeties in particular and singled out was Makuba, uh, who had issues, I guess, throughout the game. What did you see as the issues back there? Well, I mean, it, it looked to me like they were doing decent until had the kick thrown out for targeting. And um, they gave up a big play after that, a uh, 72-yarder, and I believe that was again to Wells, uh, who, who was a thorn in their side all day long. Van was until he got hurt. But South Carolina's kids were given footballs that they could make plays on. Spencer Rattler throws the – and I'll, I've said this for a lot of weeks now mm-hmm. – those the best deep ball I've seen out of a college kid in a very long time, if ever. Hmm. Um, he can put the ball in places in windows that basically the good Lord's gifted him to do it. There's no coach that can take credit for that. That's just a natural ability that he and he alone possesses. And there were times where Clemson had decent coverage, even good coverage, and Carolina's kids made great catches, but the ball was late. He laid it in their hands. He did that against Tennessee. And what happens in a college kid's mind is you have things happening to you that have never happened or happened rarely. And in Tennessee, this happened to Tennessee, and then it happens one time, and you think, well, one time, but then it's over and over and over. And you go, I got great coverage on this guy, and he's catching. I can't get to the ball, but he's catching it like it's nothing. Well, that goes back to Spencer Rattler. And that happened, and it's, it formed a crack, and then it was a fissure, and it was a wedge, and they broke. And when the you know when the big penalty happened, there was arguments on the sidelines. I couldn't see for myself, but the TV commentators commented on separating players. So I think there was some friction. Them wanting to win, maybe too much, pushing hard to win, and then just not having a good game and losing their focus, which I think they did there for a while. Mm-hmm. First and ten tonight here on Sports Talk with Zach Willis and Coach. I'll pick up on that point about uh, sort of the mentality of a rivalry game. Going into the contest, I felt like Clemson always believed they were going to win and expected to win, and South Carolina hoped they could win. How much is that uh, true? And secondly, when did you maybe see that turn, if it did, uh, in that ball game on Saturday? With Wells' touchdown. Um, Mm -hmm. When they were down, uh, gosh, I think it was was, uh, 30 to 21, and they came, you know, uh, Clemson had just scored, I think. Shipley may have run one in, and they come back, and Rattler gets out of the pocket by design, hits Wells with a 72, 73-yard touchdown pass, and at that, my remark was Clemson's in trouble. South Carolina's not going away today. And Clemson, if you if you notice, um, over the past, over this 40-game winning streak, they have a couple of different ways, and I've not talked about this before, but it's, it's pertinent now. At home, they either come out really fast and fade and then maybe make another push late in the game to put the game away, but it, 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 they get a big lead, sit on it, kind of manage it, and then come back and then late third quarter make another big push, but they play kind of flat mid to late, mid, early to mid-second quarter through most of the third quarter. That's kind of what happened Saturday, but then we have the other one where they come out flat and turn it on late and, and end up blowing whoever it is out. Um, but they've come out flat for a, quite a while now at home. That's where their flattest performances have been over the course of the last several years, if you want to. And again, now we're, we're nitpicking here, but that's a pattern, and it caught them. And again, they only lost by one point. If they'd have got blown out, I might be a little bit more sympathetic to some of these angry fans, but, you know, uh, this is a rivalry, 
and, and, and those cats in the Garnet have just beat the number five team in the country and beat them bad. They put 63 points on a very good Tennessee football team, made them look bad. And they, the offensive line, we cannot diminish, and I don't want to get away from your question, but the offensive line, the pass protection has improved by a thousand percent in the last two weeks. I don't know what they changed or what they did, but all the credit in the world goes to that offensive line for protecting against a incredible Clemson front. We didn't hear any names called we usually hear on the Clemson defense. We didn't hear their names called. They they weren't irrelevant, but they just were not as impactful as they usually are. Mm-hmm. I realize it's not as big a travel trip for South Carolina as it is, say, if they go to Missouri, but is there anything to the fact that road teams seem to play better on a noon start than the home team because they don't have to sit around the hotel all afternoon and get ready for a night game? I tell you what I've always believed since early on in my coaching career that there was. Um, I think you that's an incredible point. I don't know where you got it from, but as an old <laughs> old belief in coaching circles, and I'm that's that's a, and when I say that I mean that as a very complimentary thing. You know, worst you. thing you can have is a night game on the road in the SEC, and they play a ton of them. And that's why road teams have a hard time when you've seen Alabama struggle or lose a lot of time. This at, at earliest a three thirty kick on a CBS, you know, for that 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 marquee <laughs> game. It's hard. It's hard to play well when you're around a hotel because you get in on Friday fairly early, and you really don't do a whole lot. You try to keep them active, but you want them off their feet to a certain degree too. And it's a very fine line. So I think that did help the Carolina team, no doubt. Couple more minutes with Zach Willis, a first and ten. So we've talked about it. <laughs> Clemson fans have had nightmares about it over the last couple of nights. Clemson, for whatever reason refused to run the ball in the fourth quarter. Why do you think they took that approach in the fourth quarter? They were leading going into the fourth quarter. South Carolina didn't take the lead until uh, 10.54 to play on that field goal. Even then, there was no reason to panic and start throwing it all over the place. I think they ran it three times in the fourth quarter. Now, they did, you know, they they lost, um, well, they lost that last possession on the the fumble, on the punt fumble. But anyway, why do you think they went that way? Well, I, I think basically, and I don't, I can't answer that for Coach Sweeney and his staff. Okay, but I would say this: South Carolina did exactly what at least I would, I would have done. They dared, they dared DJ to throw the football. They dared Clemson to throw the ball, and Clemson took it and said, "We're going to do it, and we're going to win." And they put their faith in their quarterback, and it didn't have their receivers, and it didn't happen. Um, that's what I saw. They they loaded the box up, and when they did try to run it, South Carolina met them in the hole and stuffed them. Now, they hadn't stuffed them all game long, but remember the punt team. What, how many did they down inside the five-yard line? I know of at least two, maybe three, and they forced a fumble when they had a little bit better field position. I mean, it was just a nightmare for Clemson, and it was everything going right. Just everything culminated. The game plan that Coach Beamer and his staff had just came together, it dovetailed together perfectly. So they basically took their defense and they had great cornerback coverage the whole game. They put, played with basically three corners. All three of them were elite level cover corners. We already knew that from the SEC play. We saw how well they played there once they got their feet under them. And their safeties played very well. Um, they didn't play great. I think the corners played great, but I think they thought they played great the last half of the season, you know, especially the last two weeks. But it was the, the coverage that South Carolina played in the box presence, which means they were putting as many as eight or nine guys in the box on Clemson. And 
when I say daring them to throw, if, if one slip, it's a touchdown. Mm. But South Carolina didn't slip, and they made, you know, DJ showed up and Big Cinco didn't. And remember when we talked about this in the weeks I had up, leading mm. up, I said this will be the difference in the game. It's going to be DJ Uyungle. Did I say that right? I you hope did. I got it close. You're close. <laughs> Good. You're close well, enough. Again, for a, for my background, as we referenced before, you know, <laughs> that's about as good as I can do. But the key to it is he is he was the centerpiece to the whole defensive game plan. Make him beat you, and I think that's what they did. And Clemson tried to run the ball a few times, but South Carolina's got three blue chip defensive linemen sitting there, and yeah, they weren't really good against the run when they had to play with one less in the box, and they they really needed. But when they got one more in there than you can block. They get pretty good. Heck, anybody does. You got to throw them to get them off your back, and there, there, there is a talent differential between the two teams, but not that big a talent differential, especially when your quarterback's not able to throw it at all. And he just poor fellow. And I feel bad for the kid. I'm not pulling for anybody here, but I hate to see. I hate to center my whole thing around one position. But I, that's what I said, and I have to stick with it because the truth was, eight out of twenty-nine for ninety-nine yards. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I'm looking at that going into the fourth quarter and I got, got them backed up, you know, I'm going to make try my best to make them get away from running the ball. They ran for 164 yards in the first half, but they had better field position and Carolina couldn't pack the box. And they had that, what they say, blanket. That was their whole, you know, blanket. We're going to go for it no matter what we need to do. They did that on defense as well as offense, and it worked for them. Average field position for Clemson fourth quarter was their own 10 and they had three possessions in the fourth quarter. The first one ended with a punt, three plays for three yards. Next possession, two plays, 22 yards, interception. Third possession, five plays, 20 yards, and a punt. And then they fumbled when they had a chance to get the ball at the end. They fumbled on the punt, and that was that. Zach, great as always. We are uh, out of time. We've got to run to recruiting, but we always appreciate you. Have a great week. We'll do it again next week to talk about the championship games this coming weekend. Don't let Carolina beat you two weeks in a row, Clemson. You got a ring to win. Have a great night, guys. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, Coach. Great hearing from you. All right, first and 10, Zach Willis here on Sports Talk. Yeah, the field position, the first quarter for Clemson, their average field position was their own seven. It improved to their 23 in the second quarter. Third quarter, their own 32. In the fourth quarter, their own 10. So two out of the four quarters, their average starting field position was their 10-yard line or worse. So Guy Koger may have been the MVP of the game. He did a fantastic job, and the coverage team did a great job getting down there and getting that ball down.